Chapter thirty four of Frank Merriwell at Yale or Freshman Against Freshman by Bird L. Standish. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirty four A Hot Finish Yale took the field, and as the boys in blue trotted out, the familiar Yale yell broke from hundreds of throats. Blue pennants were wildly fluttering, the band was playing a lively air, and for the moment it seemed as if the sympathy of the majority of the spectators was with Yale. But when Henkley, Harvard's great single hitter, who always headed the batting list, walked out with his pet wagon tongue, a different sound swept over the multitude, and the air seemed filled with crimson pennants. Merriwell went into the box, and the umpire broke open a pasteboard box, brought out a ball that was wrapped in tinfoil, removed the covering, and tossed the snowy sphere to the freshman pitcher Yale had so audaciously stacked up against Harvard. Frank looked the box over, examined the rubber plate, and seemed to make himself familiar with every inch of the ground in his vicinity. Then he faced Hinckley, and a moment later delivered the first ball. Hinckley smashed it on the nose, and it was past Merriwell in a second, skipping along the ground and passing over second base just beyond the baseman's reach, although he made a good run for it. The center fielder secured the ball and returned it to second, but Hinckley had made a safe single off the very first ball delivered. Harvard roared while the Yale crowd was silent. A great mob of freshmen was up from New Haven to see the game and watch Merriwell's work, and some of them immediately expressed disappointment and dismay. "'Here is where Merriwell meets his Waterloo,' said Sport Harris. "'He'll be batted out before the game has fairly begun.' That was quite enough to arouse Rattleton, who heard the remark. "'I'll bet you ten dollars he isn't batted out at all,' spluttered Harry fiercely. "'Here's my money, too.' "'Make it twenty-five, and I will go you,' drawled Harris. "'All right, I'll make it twenty-five. The money was staked. Derry, also a heavy hitter, was second on Harvard's list. Derry had a bat that was as long and as large as the regulations would permit, and as heavy as lead. Yet, despite the weight of the stick, the strapping Vermonter handled it as if it were a feather.' Frank sent up a coaxer, but Derry refused to be coaxed. The second ball was high, but Derry cracked it for two bags, and Hinckley got around to third. It began to seem as if Merriwell would be batted out in the first inning, and the Yale crowd looked weary and disgusted at the start. The next batter fouled out, however, and the next one sent a red-hot liner directly at Merriwell. There was no time to get out of the way, so Frank caught it, snapped the ball to third, found Hinckley off the bag and retired the side without a score. This termination of the first half of the inning was so swift and unexpected that it took some seconds for the spectators to realize what had happened. When they did, however, Yale was widely cheered. "'What do you think about it now, Harris?' demanded Harry, exultantly. "'I think Merriwell saved his neck by a dead lucky catch,' was the answer. If he had missed that ball, he would have been removed within five minutes." Pearson, who was sitting on the bench, was looking doubtful, and he held a consultation with Costigan, captain of the team, as soon as the latter came in from third base. Costigan asked Frank how he felt, and Merriwell replied that he had never felt better in his life, so it was decided to let him see what he could do in the box the next inning. Yetting, who was in the box for Harvard, could not have been in better condition, and the first three Yale men to face him went out in one-two-three order making the first inning a whitewash for both sides. As Merriwell went into the box the second time, there were cries for Heffener, 
who was on the bench ready to pitch if forced to do so for all of the fact that it might ruin his arm forever so far as ball playing was concerned in trying to deceive the first man up merriwell gave him three balls in succession then he was forced to put them over he knew the batter would take one or two and so he sent two straight swift ones directly over and two strikes were called then came the critical moment for the next ball pitched would settle the matter frank sent in a rise and the batter struck at it missed it and was declared out the ball having landed with a plunk in the hands of the catcher the next batter got first on a single but the third man sent an easy one to frank who gathered it in threw the runner out at second and the second baseman sent the ball to first in time to retire the side on a double play you are right merriwell old man enthusiastically declared heffener as frank came in to the bench they haven't been able to score off you yet and they won't be able to touch you at all after you get into gear pearson was relieved and costigan looked well satisfied now we must have some scores boys said the captain but yetting showed that he was out for blood for he allowed but one safe hit and again retired yale without a score Surely it was a hot game, and excitement was running high. Would Harvard be able to score the next time? That was the question everybody was asking. Yetting came to the bat in this inning, and Merriwell struck him out with ease, while not another man got a safe hit, although one got first on the shortstop's error. The Yale crowd cheered like Indians when Harvard was shut out for the third time, the freshmen seeming to yell louder than all the others. They originated a cry which was like this. He is doing very well who why merriwell merriwell was the first man up and yetting did his best to get square by striking the freshman out in this he was successful much to his satisfaction but no man got a hit and the third inning ended as had the others neither side having made a run the fourth opened in breathless suspense but it was quickly over neither side getting a man beyond second it did not seem possible that this thing could continue much longer but the fifth inning brought the same result, although Yale succeeded in getting a man to third with only one out. An attempt to sacrifice him home failed, and a double play was made, retiring the side. Harvard opened the sixth by batting a ball straight at Yale's shortstop, who played tag with it, chasing it around his feet long enough to allow the batter to reach first. It was not a hit, but an error for short. This seemed to break the Yale team up somewhat. The runner trod for second on the first ball pitch, and Yale's catcher overthrew, although he had plenty of time to catch the man. The runner kept on to third and got it on his slide. Now Harvard rejoiced. Although he had not obtained a hit, the man had reached third on two errors, and there was every prospect of scoring. Merriwell did not seem to lose his temper or his coolness. He took plenty of time to let everybody get quieted down, and then he quickly struck out the next man. The third man, however, managed to hit the ball fairly and knocked a fly into left field. It was gathered in easily, but the man on third held the bag till the fly was caught and made a desperate dash for home. The left fielder threw well, and the ball struck in the catcher's mitt. It did not stick, however, and the catcher lost the only opportunity to stop the score. Harvard had scored at last. The Harvard cheer rent the air, and Grimson fluttered on all sides. Frank struck out the next man, and then Yale came to bat, resolved to do or die, but they did not do much. Yetting was as good as ever, and the fielders gathered in anything that came their way. At the end of the eighth inning, the score remained one to nothing in Harvard's favor. It looked as if Yale would receive a shutout, 
and that was something awful to contemplate. The sons of old Eli were ready to do anything to win a score or two. In the first half of the ninth, Harvard went at it to make some more runs. One man got a hit, stole second, and went to third on an error that allowed the batter to reach first. Sport Harris had been disappointed when Merriwell continued to remain in the box, but now he said, He's rattled. Here's where they kill him. But Frank proved that he was not rattled. He tricked the man on third into getting off the bag, and then threw him out in a way that brought a yell of delight from Yale men. That fixed it so the next batter could not sacrifice with the object of letting the man on third home. Then he got down to business, and Harvard was whitewashed for the last time. Oh, if Yale can score now, muttered hundreds. The first man up flied out to center, and the next man was thrown out at first. That seemed to settle it. The spectators were making preparations to leave. The Yale bat tender, with his face long and doleful, was gathering up the sticks. What's that? The next man got a safe hit, a single that placed him on first. Then Frank Merriwell was seen carefully selecting a bat. Oh, if he were a heavy hitter, groaned many voices. Yetting was confident, much too confident. He laughed in Frank's face. He did not think it necessary to watch the man on first closely, and so that man found an opportunity to steal second. Two strikes and two balls had been called. Then Yetting sent in a swift one to cut the inside corner. Merriwell swung at it. Crack! Bat and ball met fairly, and away sailed the sphere over the head of the shortstop. Run! That word was a roar. No need to tell Frank to run. In a moment he was scudding down to first, while the left fielder was going back for the ball which had passed beyond his reach. Frank kept on for second. There was so much noise he could not hear the coachers, but he saw the fielder had not secured the ball. He made third, and the excited coachers sent him home with a furious gesture. Every man, woman, and child was standing. It seemed as if everyone was shouting and waving flags, hats, or handkerchiefs. It was a moment of such thrilling, nerve-tingling excitement as is seldom experienced. If Merriwell reached home, Yale won. If he failed, the score was tied, for the man in advance had scored. The fielder had secured the ball. He drove it to the shortstop, and shortstop whirled and sent it whistling home. The catcher was ready to stop Merriwell. Slide! That word Frank heard above all the commotion. He did slide. Forward, he scooted into a cloud of dust. The catcher caught the ball and put it on Frank. An instant too late. A sudden silence. Safe home, rang the voice of the umpire. Then another roar, louder, wilder, full of unbounded joy. The Yale cheer, the band drowned by all the uproar, the sight of sturdy lads in blue, delirious with delight, hugging a dust-covered youth, lifting him to their shoulders, and bearing him away in triumph. Merriwell had won his own game, and his record was made. It was a glorious finish. Never saw anything better, declared Harry. Frank, you are a wonder. He is that, declared several others. Old Yale can't get along without him. The End End of Chapter 34 End of Frank Merriwell at Yale for Freshman Against Freshman by Bertel Standish